those who are, have joined us by live stream. If you would take a Bible and turn to Psalm 119. This morning we want to read verses 73 through 80. Psalm 119, 73 through 80. If you are using a Bible from the church, it should be in the pew in front of you. If you would just grab and turn to page 514, that would also get you to uh, Psalm 119, beginning at verse uh, 73. These are God's words for us this morning. And um, let me read this portion. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I, that I might learn that I, that that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I might not be put to shame. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word, for there is no word like your word As we've sung earlier, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. And so as we gather this morning, Father, we would pray that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things from this portion of your word that we've read. Father, not that we might just know a couple of things, but that we might be transformed, for we ask this in Christ's name. Well, we are prodding our way through Psalm 119, eight verses at a time. The, all of Psalm 119 is um, instructing us, assisting us in realizing and learning the functional and practical um, value and importance of God's Word in the life of a follower of Christ. And each eight-verse unit has a different Emphasis uh, concerning God's Word, uh, and, and, and as we look this morning at this section, beginning at verse 73 down through verse 80, uh, really what we've just read is, you might have noticed it, it's a continuation um, of the immediate preceding verses. We are still on the matter of affliction. In verses 65 to 72, we were particularly pointed to the matter of affliction. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Verse 71, it was good 
for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Verses 73 to 80 continue that same theme, and yet do it from a, from a slightly nuanced or tweaked emphasis. And here's what I think is the difference. Whereas in verses 65 to 72, the emphasis was on how affliction benefited the psalmist. That's what he says in verse 71. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. In other words, there was a beautiful outcome to affliction in my life. Whereas now, what I would suggest is that in this morning's reading, verses 73 to 80, the emphasis is on how the psalmist's affliction might be used for the benefit of others. So last week, the psalmist says, this is how affliction benefited me. Now, this morning, he says, and this is how my affliction can benefit others. So in that sense, I would suggest to you that the emphasis in these verses this morning is on the psalmist's testimony in the midst of his affliction, how he responds and stays focused upon the Lord in the midst of his testimony. As such, verse 74 and verse 79 in our reading this morning are really probably the control verses. Uh, They also help us to differentiate the two segments of this unit, first four verses, uh, verses 73 to 76, and then the second four verses, 77 to 80. Notice the common theme of verse 74 and 79. Let those who, let, let those who fear you, uh, those who fear you, shall, shall they see me and rejoice, verse 74. And then 79, let those who fear you turn to me. You see the parallel there? He's pertaining to, he's speaking to those who are not the wicked, who, who have been an instrument in this affliction upon him, but is referring to those who are, who are his companions. In fact, he, he introduced us to that notion uh, back really in verse 62, I believe, um, or not verse 62, 63, um, uh, where he says, uh, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. He's talking about his fellow believers, the people that are around him. And and really what he's saying is that as I walk through this present affliction, may my fellow followers of Christ, may they look to me and see the testimony that I bear forth in my life concerning God's grace and mercy and sufficiency. So those are really the, so there's two things in the first four verses. I want us to look at the purpose of our testimony. And then in the second four verses, I will look at, notice something of the procedure for our testimony. But essentially, here's what he is saying to us, is that our response to the afflictions that we face is a testimony that is that is designed for the benefit and the encouragement of others. Let those who fear you, those who fear you, 
May they see me. So it's talking about other believers noticing how you and I, how the psalmist responds to his affliction. So he begins in verse 73, where he says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Now this is the first time in Psalm 119 that God is acknowledged as maker and creator. Certainly not the only place in the Psalms, but this is the first time in this Psalm 119 that's, that's noted here. And, and, and really, it's interesting that, uh, on the one hand, we know that God made all things by speaking all things into existence. And, and yet the imagery here is that uh, God, in a sense, rolled up his shirt sleeves and, and uh, got his hands in the middle of this and, and made us and fashioned us. Uh, with his hands. It's, 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 it's the same kind of imagery that we see spoken of of our Creator God in Isaiah 64, verse 8, where it says, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are the work of your hands. So the image here that's conveyed is, is he's, he's really laying down some basic assumptions about God and about um, the warrant for how he should give testimony about God in the midst of his affliction. And what he is saying is that uh, my whole life and everything that crisscrosses in my life it, it, it is all under the control of the hands of my God. He is the potter. We are the pots. We are the clay. We have been made and fashioned by the very hands of God. Therefore, we belong to Him. We are His. Uh, he owns us. We are His clay pots. So he says, so second part of 73, give me understanding that I might learn your commandments. So Father, help me to know and to learn and to remember that you are my God. You have made me. You are the potter. We are the clay. And so whatever you bring into our lives, oh Lord, what we ask is that you would give us understanding. Help us to see. And then skipping verse 74 for a moment, he says in verse 75, I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. O Lord, you are the potter, we are the clay, and I know whatever you do with your pots is righteous. However you Deal with your clay. You always do that in faithfulness. Even when you afflict the pots. Even when you bring affliction upon the clay. It is your hands that have fashioned us. You are always right. You are only faithful. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you said last week that it was insolent men who brought this affliction upon the psalmist. I did. I stand by that word. 
That's not all I said. In fact, it, it alludes to that again in verse 78, our reading this morning. Let the insolent be put to shame. See, back in verse 69 last week, the insolent smear me with lies. In other words, he, his, the particulars of his affliction in his sep, sep episode was, was ungodly, arrogant, haughty people trying to harm him unfairly, unjustly. Certainly, they have a major hand in the particular expressions and experiences of his affliction. And yet, as we noted last week, even though insolent men had evil intent to bring harm upon him, he also knew that that good God who can only do good had good intent in the context of that very same manifestation of affliction. just a reminder that no matter how powerful insolent men might be toward us and no matter how much design of evil and horrendous uh, affliction they may purpose toward us God's purpose is of only good all the time even in our affliction stands true you are righteous you are faithful in, in my affliction. Paul poses the question uh, about potter and pot in, in, in chapter 9 of Romans, where he says, Can the pot say to the potter, Why have you made me this way? Why, what are you doing to me? Why have you run me through this? That's a, a categorical uh, denial that, that we would have the the proper authority to question God's providences in our lives. Our comfort comes not in questioning God's providences, but our comfort comes in knowing that He is the potter, we are the pots, He is only righteous and always faithful. That doesn't mean that our affliction doesn't feel like affliction, that it doesn't hurt. It just means that we can be reminded of His good purposes toward us in the midst of of our afflictions. I am God, and I am good. And so in faithfulness, in God's faithfulness, we are afflicted. Now, verse 74 then then reminds us then, well, what response do we bring to this affliction? How will we we testify? What witness will we bear of God's goodness to us, of God's righteousness and faithfulness in our affliction? And that's where he begins his first note in verse 74. He'll say the other one in verse 79. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice. Why? Because I have hoped in your word. You see, the the purpose of our testimony is that we may display the confidence we have in the Lord. Oh, it's easy to to display confidence in the Lord on good days, days in which are pleasant and sweet and all has gone well and lovely. 
Of course, the temptation of that is that we would forget God in those good days and not end up giving testimony after all. But on the hard days, on the bad days, on the difficult days, on the days that the affliction is pressing in, it is important that that we are able to still display by our lives and by our words, by our responses, by our emotions, by our actions, that our hope is in God, that our confidence is in Him and in His purposes, and that other believers, in seeing our response of confidence in God in the midst of our affliction, that they might see that and they might experience joy in what they see coming out of us. Not, not happy that they see us in our affliction, but happy that our affliction does not diminish our confidence in God's righteousness and in God's faithfulness. See, it's in moments of affliction that you and I have a very particular calling upon us. Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 reminds us, for we have this treasure in jars of clay, Potter and pot again, isn't it? We have this treasure in jars of clay to show uh, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, at, at, at our moments of abject weakness, when we are pressed down and trampled on, if you would, by affliction. We have the opportunity. That is the occasion for us to display something of the power of God in our lives at that moment. Now, now hit hit the pause button for a second. You and I have been around church long enough that we have all witnessed people, even people in church, who have failed to provide testimonies of God's faithfulness. But be careful. Be careful what you do with that. Because the devil can sometimes get into our heart and mind at that moment and say, you know, so-and-so, they didn't provide a faithful testimony of God's faithfulness in the midst of their affliction. And we, we, would, we could use that failure and misuse that tragedy to justify our own decision to live in a way that shows we are not confident in the Lord's righteousness and goodness. Someone else's failure is is a tragedy. It is what it is, and we certainly therefore know how it can land on us and even tempt us and influence us. And 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 yet at the it, 
the moment we are processing that, we must be reminded that we have to put more attention on how we are to show that we belong to God and that our hope and our confidence is in God. We, we have to be careful and guard against allowing ourselves to, to experience a sort of spiritual paralysis in our lives because of someone else's failure. That's why I think the psalmist says, says in verse 76, because, because his, his ability to remain confident in the Lord's provision is not, him, not the, his own sheer willpower, but he knows that, that such a testimony has been induced by God's grace. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Oh God, you promise to comfort us in our affliction. You promise to deliver us in our affliction. And so, Father, by your mercies and by your devotion and affection and loyalty to us, by your steadfast love, we, may, may that empower us, may that enable us to display and to continue to display in the midst of our adversity your faithfulness. And your righteousness. You see, what what the psalmist is doing in verse 76 is reminding us that our testimony in God's faithfulness is ultimately something that is empowered by God's faithfulness. So the purpose of our affliction, it certainly is to benefit us. That was last week. But the purpose of our affliction is that we might bear testimony in the midst of our affliction as to God's goodness and faithfulness and righteousness, and that that would be an instrument of encouragement and spiritual benefit for others. Now verses 77 through 80 touch on the procedure of our testimony. And the procedure is that of calling upon the Lord. Each of the verses in 77, 78, 79, and 80 are prayers of petition. That as he's walking through his adversity, hoping to give a testimony to others of God's faithfulness and goodness, the procedure by which he is establishing and maintaining and expressing that testimony is that he is asking and asking and asking and asking. Often in our lives, there is more we can do than call upon the Lord But there is never something less to do than to call upon the Lord. And there is never something else to do instead of calling upon the Lord. So he prays. Verse 77. Let your mercy come to me that I may live. For I delight in your 
This is really coupled with what he just said in verse 76. Let your steadfast love comfort me. Now let your mercy come to me that I might live. What the psalmist is really expressing, and this is a part of his testimony, is that that it it will not merely be uh, willpower uh, that will muscle himself through his affliction. Yes, you and I need fortitude in life. You and I need a measure of toughness and grit and determination in life. Those can all be wonderful virtues, sort of speak, if you would. Uh, but every ounce of our fortitude, every ounce of our toughness and grit and determination, um, that we must understand that all of that is predicated upon, all of that is r- grounded and rooted in the steadfast love and mercy of the Lord that He supplies to us. So He asks for mercy. Oh God. If I'm going to get through this adversity, if I'm going to get through this adversity and affliction in a way that shows that my confidence is in you, I'm going to need a lot of mercy. The Apostle Paul, and, and there's so much parallel between 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and really the language and in the, in the function of, of these verses in Psalm 119, but Later in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in about verse 9, the, the, as the Apostle Paul was speaking of his own affliction, and he says, I, I don't want you to be ignorant of the affliction that we experience in Asia Minor, for we felt like we had received the death sentence. We, we thought this affliction was going to kill us. I'm not going to survive this one. And then he explains, but... but but this affliction, that, that in God's faithfulness, this affliction that came to him was to show him that he was not to rely upon himself. It's right there in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. But to rely upon God who raises the dead. That's, that's the orientation that we have here in this procedure. The testimony that we display uh, uh, that, that we, our confidence is in the Lord is a, is a testimony that we display metaphorically on our knees in dependence upon God, asking Him for the mercy. And do you realize that that sometimes God will run us through affliction, just like he did the Apostle Paul, just like what he's doing here in the, in the psalmist's life. God will run us through affliction for no greater reason than to cause us to trust in him more. I think that, could, that can be jarring if it first lands on you. But think of it this way. Why were you and I made? We were made to live dependent upon God. So in other words, if we're not living dependently upon God today, we're, we're not living according to plan. We're, there's, a, there's a distortion going on in our universe, sort of speak. We were made to depend upon God. And, and on top of that, if our hearts find true satisfaction 
only as we depend upon God, then it is not a harsh reality that God would afflict us so that we would depend upon Him. It is a wonderful gift that He would afflict us so that that affliction would drive us back to Him to depend upon Him even more. So it it can be a beautiful thing, at least the outcome of said affliction, that affliction is driving us to depend upon the Lord more. That's good. And as we display our dependence upon the Lord in the midst of our affliction, others are watching. That's why he would say in verse 79, let those who fear you turn to me that they may know of your testimonies, that, that they may, may they see me and may, how they see me experiencing this affliction, may, may that give testimony to the faithfulness of your testimonies. So he's asking to be an instrument. But notice how, what else he asks back up to verse 78. He asks for justice. Oh, When people afflict you, what's the first thing you want to do? It's payback time, isn't it? When they afflict me, I'm thinking it's time to afflict them right back. Of course, that's really the most foreign instruction the Scripture gives to us. But that just feels, isn't it so? But that's just what feels most natural. But notice how he prays. Verse 78, let the insolent be put to shame. Lord, the the affliction that the insolent are bringing upon me, Lord, you deal with them. They are in your hands. They have, he says there, they have wronged me uh, with falsehood. They've done me wrong. That's the source of the affliction. But Lord, You bring shame upon them as you see fit, when you see fit, how you see fit. Lord, vengeance is yours. Justice is yours. As for me, verse 78, I will meditate on your precepts. Lord, you'll deal with justice. I'll focus upon you. And what's interesting is in how he concludes in verse 80, a spin on the word shame. He says, may may the insolent be put to shame. And then his prayer in verse 80 is, may my heart be blameless in your statutes that I might not be put to shame. Lord, shame the insolent. Oh, but oh, Lord, may may I not misstep. May, May I not foul up giving testimony to you in the midst of my affliction. May, may I not bring shame upon myself. Lord, in other words, Lord, help me to finish well. Huh. Well, now the easy part is done. We've just preached a sermon about how you and I are to give testimony Uh, of God's faithfulness in the midst of our affliction. A testimony that God would use to to strengthen and encourage other believers. Uh, As 
as many in our church family are, are literally motoring through affliction of another kind, not a, not, a, not a person who has spread falsehoods against them, but, but as our own church family is experiencing struggles with COVID and, and, and other things related to that, uh, th- that, is a, that is a kind of affliction. That is our present assignment, and I don't say that flippantly. I mean, I, I, would, I would that none of us would have this. But whether we are walking through COVID at this moment, this morning, or whether we are not walking through it at this moment, but boy, it's all around us, and we would be tempted to go unglued with anxiousness and fear, oh, while we do need caution and prudence we don't need to couple any complications in life with a, with a anxiousness and, and the despair that comes with that. No, in this season of affliction, whether it's the, the onset of the real affliction that is attacking people's bodies this day or whether it's the fear of the possibility of said affliction attacking our bodies on this day, our assignment is that we would not be put to shame, that we would give a testimony of God's power in our lives, that that every providential circumstance He runs us through is always righteous and only originates in His faithfulness. May he give us the steadfast love and the mercy to give said testimony. So the hard part begins now, living that out this week. And and what we do have going for us this week is that through faith we belong to Jesus. We belong to the one who did this perfectly who gave testimony in his life, in his words of confidence and dependence upon his Father in heaven. A confidence that was expressed much of the time on his knees in prayer, asking for the grace to obey the Father even to the point of his own death. And he succeeded perfectly in giving a testimony of his confidence in the power of God. And yet he was taken to the cross and died the death of one who was filled with shame as though he had failed God. But he didn't fail God. There was no basis of real shame in Christ's life. But he was our substitute. He bore up under our shamefulness, our sin. He experienced the curse and justice and judgment of our sin. That that he might pay that price and that we are pardoned of our weakness and our sin and our shame. 
You see, we leave out of here this week, not just on our own, trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and do a better job this week giving testimony to God's faithfulness. No, we can leave out of here this week trusting in Jesus, the one who died for us and now through faith, the one who is joined to us, who by his spirit indwells in us, the very spirit of the one who perfectly displayed a testimony in God's faithfulness and righteousness is now living in us. May we, for the benefit of others, for the good spiritual encouragement of others, may we testify to our confidence in God's power this week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how your word teaches us and orients us away from ourselves and towards you. Thank you, Father, for all of the mercies and the graces that you give to us. Thank you, Father, for even the design that you have on our afflictions that we might bear testimony of your greatness. For we pray these things in Christ's name.